Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, Peggy. How are you? I'm doing a-okay right now. Great. This is uh, Elizabeth Copeland and the Compassionate Culture Podcast on Grief Dialogues. <laughs> and we're back with Peggy Dickens today. About a month ago, we had a podcast with Peggy about what was happening in the medical community. And at that time, there was reason to be hopeful. Not that there isn't reason now, but at that time we were hopeful of, and a lot of has happened in the last month. And so Peggy, would you like to just jump in and, and start talking about what things have changed for uh, the healthcare providers and the world perhaps in this last yeah. month? Well, I guess we'll start more globally then, how's that? Okay. Um, and I won't be able to speak about that uh, healthcare perspective, uh, you know, other than what my hunches are, but mm-hmm. um, globally, what I'm noticing, and probably everyone else, is, is the fact that people are trying to re-enter their daily lives, um, and that re-entry is exciting and scary and um, confusing, and and yet it's something we all are really wanting. Um, and so, that, you know, it, 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 again, makes us get to the point where we have to hold almost two polarizing feelings at the same time. Wow. Right? Wanting, yeah, wanting to have uh, life as it was and get back to normal, in quotations, um, and then holding the fact that, wait, no, there'll be, we'll all be in mass. We'll all have the plexiglass between us um, and and so on and so forth, you know, all the protective measures that we have to do right now. But I think that's hard for people. Yes. You know, it's a little bit, uh, it's exciting, it's it's hopeful, and it's exhausting and frustrating. And mm-hmm. those are the two extremes that, you, you know, as a person having to hold those two different viewpoints. Uh, right. It takes a lot. I would, I would think so. It is both scary and I, I don't want to necessarily say exciting, but there is an element of ex- like, what will the new world bring? And I've spoken to a lot of people on this top- topic this past month, and we don't want it collectively, at least in the group I talked to, we don't want it to return to what was normal. Normal wasn't working. So on the one hand, we're excited about the possibility going forward. On another, we're, we're could be skeptical, could be apprehensive, and then and then the fear element. What well, what will it bring? I've got to wear these masks. I've got you know to have the plexiglass. So I'd almost say there's like three big different emotions raging. Um, and that's good. I thinking. And how how do you what do you see the mental toll of this? Pandemic. I know. Last time we talked a lot about the front line, the doctors, the nurses, healthcare workers, caregivers. Um, do you see it shifting for them, and then also for the public? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Of course. I think. Um, I think as far as the healthcare workers, they, there's definitely been a shift in the sense of uh, they're getting used to telehealth, mm-hmm. and the used to is really way overstated uh, they're putting up with and dealing with and having to manipulate uh, the telehealth in order to provide health 
Um, it's frustrating, annoying. It's not, it doesn't feel like we're quietly, quite in the people business that we all have aspired to be. Um, but at least we're providing care, and, you know, in the safest way we can. So I think that has happened. Mm-hmm. I think there is a real level of fatigue that's kind of settling in. I've seen that. that this I've is, seen that. Yeah, yeah, really. People are exhausted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exhausted even from the fact of having to be doing telehealth, you know, that the technology's not working or the other person, other person's technology's working or whatever it is. It's just extra energy. Right. And, um, and then, you know, then you have your own personal life with all the things we just discussed that we are all holding, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's happening. I think in our area, of course, where we live, we're happy about the fact that our numbers are really looking great. And so um, there's there there has been that great worry that we'd be overridden mm-hmm. uh, with patients and, and, and the ability to care for them. Mm-hmm. And, and we've done it. You know, we've kept our, we've flattened the curve we kept our numbers down, and we were able to keep um, our hospitals working at a really efficient level. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the case for the rest of the United States. Right. I, there's certainly these big pockets that we know of, Jersey and New York, that I mean, it's a it's a disaster zone, right? right. But um, since since we were able to flatten the curve, I think there is an element of and an element and, and an element of um, camaraderie mm-hmm. and um, and yet there's fatigue right right well it's hard to have a feeling of camaraderie when you're not even in the same room yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but you know the, the front line workers are Yes, that's true. Workers are really on a mission together, mm-hmm. and oh, they're that's very, very de- you know, as as we've said before, mm-hmm. those, but they're so dedicated, such a dedicated, resilient group of people, and they are on a mission, and they take, they are very, very committed and very serious right. about that, and that that is a very uniting way. I think a lot of, I think a really positive thing that's happened that I that's been reported to me that administration and physicians are starting to uh, hear each other. Wow. That's yeah, a first so, uh, <laughs> in a lot of yeah, hospitals. <laughs> right. A lot of times the physicians don't feel heard. They feel dictated to and they don't feel a part of the, the solution and the process. Well, I'm. it's being reported to me that that is shifting. That the administrators really needed to listen to Yes. They really needed to, This that they had to put down all of those other um, guidelines, you can call it pretenses, I don't know, concepts, and turn to the people who are on the front line and find out what's needed now. Mm-hmm. And the doctors really, uh, they're the turn of events for them. They felt respected, they felt uh, really cared for, even when they couldn't get the equipment, there was still the desire of administration to get the equipment. And so they really felt like, you know, they they were partnered. Right. 
Right. Instead of being, um, you know, just a, an instrument in the in the machine. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Wow, that's encouraging. So, what do you think marked the shift? What do you both for like our, the state of Washington? What was, was there a a magic key or a series of steps that were smartly taken? And also in the hospitals, why did they finally listen, do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't think it was just Washington that they listened. I think it was, it was probably worldwide. I don't hmm. I don't know that, but I, you know, certainly I know North America, mm -hmm. Canada, okay. U.S. I think that the, the reason that that shifted culturally is because, um, <laughs> because this was something that nobody knew about. And so you had to learn from the people who were dealing with it firsthand, not from studies and not from matrix and not from all the other things that we run businesses on, but the actual hands-on first frontline people. And so that really is important. And I think it's a, and it's a responsibility. Mm -hmm. so the physician now has that responsibility to be reporting in the same way for other things as well. Right. You know, when they are in a situation where they can report frontline what they deal with mm -hmm. and how the best you know possible way to, to help people. Now I think that I'm, I'm hoping there's a new bridge. Right. Right. Oh, I li and I like that term bridge because that that get. <laughs> Except if you have to burn a bridge, you don't want to do that. But the idea of bridge is always is really helpful. Um, well, administration does want, you know, they they want the best for the patient, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. You know, patient outcome is always the positive patient outcome is always mm -hmm. the the goal and right. the most efficient way possible, so they can keep the doors open. Right. Right. And they still need to work with the people who provide the care. Right. Right. Good. Smart. Smart. Um, and we talked last time about healthcare providers and PTSD and, and so forth and, you know, the, the mindset that they were, they were built for this. But the prolonged, uh, uh, what I want to say, the prolonged sort of in the trenches had to start weighing on the best of them. Oh, yeah. So what do you see happening for healthcare uh, mental health? Right. But right now, I would say that people are exhausted and 
so anytime you're exhausted is very concerning. Yes. yes. And there, there's a lack of uh, professional isolation. Mm-hmm. Very, very concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in general, just uh, the state of the world right now, the state of the United States, um, was very concerning for to have a, a hopeful outlook. Right. Right. So I, I, you know, it's funny around here, as you know, the sun doesn't come out all that often right. this time of year, although amazingly so it has during COVID, very, very atypical. Um, people are really happy when it's sunny. Yeah. They are really, oh my gosh, can you believe this beautiful day? Yes. It's more important than ever. It sure is. It sure is. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, that, you know, in general, I, I hope, Elizabeth, that we're kinder to one another. Mm-hmm. That we're more lenient with one another and less judgment. Right. Um, right. Because it's pretty, that's very devastating for people to get, put other people in boxes and to think they should behave a certain way based mm-hmm. on whatever. Well, that's not how it works. Right. And if each each of us have had our own, um, we're having our own stress, we're having our own fatigue, we're having our own fear, we're having our own grief. Right. And really, the healing that can come of that is in relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm, good that's point. That's really mm-hmm. where that, that's what happens, right? Right, right. We, we heal from our mental illnesses much quicker in relationship, kindness, compassion, compassion, noticing, being connected, caring, right, um, can really help. Right, right. I was just reading this morning um, an article by the uh, one of the authors of Compassionomics, saying that they're starting to see um, uh, kind of a a compassionate wave, if you will, where people are starting to witness other people be compassionate and then in turn are being compassionate. And I guess they've actually now started to formally study that because it was happening more and more. Uh, and so I'm glad to hear you say that too, that that gives an upbeat. Yeah, yeah, you know, well, it's contagious. Yes, absolutely. And I think, I, think it's, I think all behaviors can be quite contagious. Contentious, then you know you're going to go into your survival mode, and that might be that you have to be contentious with that. But if you're you're being met with compassion, it's hard to be it's hard to be mad at somebody who's compassionate with you. Right. Very very hard. Good so point. Really good. I'm glad they're studying it. Yes. Stop. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so. Since we last talked, have you? Has there been an uptick in the number of clients or the issues with the clients? Uh, have you noticed My more? In Your clients in general. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I meet with quite a few colleagues and consult groups, so I, I will tell you that yes, there's a, we're very very busy. I probably get you know five to ten calls a week. Mm. Um, which is for one practitioner is way too much um, and what I am seeing is uh, we're still dealing with the same things confusion 
um, sadness, grief, uh, worry, the not knowing what the future will bring does not, we do not like that as a species. Mm-hmm. Um, so we catastrophize, by the way. Uh, we'll think of the very worst thing. Right. So that when it doesn't happen, then we'll go, thank heavens. Right. Or if it does happen, then we can say, okay, well, I knew it. Yeah. And I've been thinking about it. And there we go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, right now, I will tell you, because we're in the month of what, end of May, mm-hmm. I'm very, very worried about the kids, about yes. high school age and college age children. Yes. Children, I should call Yes. Well, young adults, um, but yes. Young adults. Yeah. They are, you know, this is, this is an unexplainable time, and they're, they're not protected anymore. Right. And so, and you know, how do we as adults, experienced adults, say, well, don't worry because blah, blah, blah. Well, we right. don't have that in us either. Right, right. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very worried about that. Mm-hmm. So I have been hearing from um, some medical providers, uh, old my age medical providers in their 60s, saying that they've, they've noticed a role reversal. There are young adult children in their 20s and 30s calling up and saying, uh, you know, what, what do you mean you're going to go out? You know, it's too late for you to go out. Uh, you know, and so all those things that they were t- <laughs> told as teenagers. Uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. But yeah, it's very sweet, actually, mm-hmm. um, you know, where the, the, the kids don't want their parents to be exposed. They don't, you know, they're, they're the ones that if they're going to come and visit their parents, they're going to self-quarantine for two weeks so that they don't give it to their parents. Right. So there's a really big fear. Yes. Um, yes. You know, what, what, you know, remember when we were in our 20s, we just didn't even think anything destructed us. No. And didn't even think twice about much of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And there, that, that has been robbed mm-hmm. from them. Mm-hmm. And very sad. I think the other uptick, um, you know, there's two things. I heard this past week someone said that they talked about the freshman 15 that everybody gains, you know, and they're calling this the COVID-19, <laughs> yeah. right? They gained the 19 pounds and the real big uptake on alcohol consumption. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I heard a horrible statistic yesterday. I was uh, Dr. Bob Niemeyer. Uh, had, a, had a class um, that I, I sat in on, on what's happening, and because uh, he's done these massive studies with various organizations, and uh, they have now determined that the quantity per individual of alcohol and money, the quantity of money being spent on alcohol and drugs is in direct it is equal to the overspending on toilet paper and handy wipes. So yeah, they're the same in terms of percentages and so forth. And uh, that is just staggering. Because to me that says people are self-medicating. Well, that's right. You know, again, you get back to positive mental health. And usually when you have positive mental health, you have things to look forward to and you have, you know, even if it doesn't come through, you, you plan and you think it through and you, and there has not been, right. we've, we've had that taken away, 
And so there is a, there is an element of wanting to forget. Yes. But you're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so hard to stay present. It is. With the pain, you know, we don't like pain. No, no. But it, I mean, even Scott and I have kind of fallen to that a bit where um, it can be 10.30 in the morning and a lot of, st- well, we're up at five because of the howler monkeys but, and the sun, but, but 10.30 we look at each other like, is it too early to have a drink? <laughs> you know? Yes, a lot, lot more day drinking. A lot more day drinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, there is definitely the, the discipline of our 